Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Mark. The Gospel Record of Mark in chapter number 6. We are continuing with this very helpful series of the Gospel Record of Mark in chapter number 6. And we've received lots of comments and lots of uh, praises about Wednesday night's message about John the Baptist and dealing with a guilty conscience. And if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to that message, we encourage you to go online and find it either on our YouTube or our website. And I believe that it would be a great encouragement to you to go through that message and to be encouraged and to see what the Bible says about having a guilty conscience. Well, as we continue on, we're still progressing forward with this gospel record of Mark, walking with Jesus Christ, traveling with him in his earthly ministry. Remember the gospel record of Mark is written to the Roman mind and it is the gospel record of action. It shows Jesus as the perfect servant and it has continual action. There are 16 chapters within the gospel record of Mark. 12 of those start with the word and and it just shows Jesus doing this and Jesus doing this and Jesus doing this. And the Roman mind, that's what they appreciated. They didn't need discourses and talks. They wanted the proof by action that Jesus was indeed the Son of God, the Messiah, the chosen one that has come to save the world. Now as we could see Jesus Christ as he's already been starting his earthly ministry, we see another miracle that occurs. And from this miracle, we can also see a principle that Jesus is teaching us through this miracle. Remember that there's enough miracles found within the word of God or found uh, that Jesus did that the Bible talks about in the book of John, that if we recorded all of them, there wouldn't be enough books to be, to have them all, to contain them all. And yet God, out of all those miracles that Jesus did, God chose to record 35 specific miracles that are found within the gospel records. And each one of them were given with a purpose, meaning that God said, I want you to write about this miracle and I have this reason behind it. And so these miracles are not just given just to say this is what Jesus did. But each one of them are teaching a principle. Trying to get something across. And we see that once again in this miracle that we find in the gospel record of Mark in chapter 6. The gospel record of Mark chapter 6. Notice with me if you don't mind. Starting at verse 30. The gospel record of Mark chapter 6 and verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a ship or desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many of them knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out went them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, 
and was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages, buying themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread, and give them to eat? And he saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they said, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And two fishes divided he among them all. And they did eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat the loaves were about five thousand men. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark what is commonly called here the the feeding of the 5,000 in verse number 44, notice the number of men that they had, 5,000 men. And if you wouldn't mind, we want to hit this miracle here of the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we approach this passage here, we're just asking that you would give us wisdom and discernment to apply it to us. That we could see this great miracle and we could see that you're the miracle working God. But yet within this miracle, you are also teaching us something about you. And teaching us something about to run your work and to organize your efforts. And I'm asking Lord that you would just give us wisdom and discernment to apply it properly and that we can apply it to where we are here and now. Once again, fill me with your Holy Spirit, that it's your words, your thoughts, your desires that get accomplished, not mine. Thank you again that we can trust you with this. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come into this great miracle, as I said before, that Jesus had done so many miracles that if we were to record them all, there wouldn't be enough books to contain them. And yet God chose 35 specific miracles that Jesus did in his earthly ministry. And each one of them were given for the purpose of teaching us something. God chose them for a reason to be recorded for our learning to teach us something. And with this, we can make an application to the New Testament church in many ways. If you don't mind, the first thing I'd like to show you here is the purpose of the church. The purpose of of the church. Notice if you don't mind as we pick it up in verse number 30. And it says, and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Now when you look at this, if you look at the verse above, what it's coming above is a past it's talking about the death of John the Baptist. So if you want to look and see where the context is, where they left off, notice again in Mark chapter 12. Actually, it goes all the way up to um, uh, verse number 7. 
And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And he commanded them to go out. Verse number 12, and they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil that many were sick and healed them. Then it breaks into the story of John the Baptist about Herod hearing about this. And so it takes a little parenthetical statement, a phrase, passage, and 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 uh, goes on and records about John the Baptist. Then it returns back into the current timeline. And the current timeline is the disciples have come back from soul winning. They've come back and they've reported to Jesus all the things that happened as they went out to the cities two by two and was witnessing to people and teaching them about repentance and watching miracles happen and going forth. And they came back and they were reporting. Now, because they've been working so hard, notice what Jesus recommended for them to do in verse number 31. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going that they had no leisure so much as to eat. You want to talk about being busy. These disciples were out being busy and they were so busy that they didn't have any downtime. They didn't have any leisure time. They didn't have any TV time or Facebook time. They had enough time to sit down and eat, but they had work. There was a lot of work to be done. There was so many people that needed to be reached and they were busy reaching. And Jesus said, now you need to take a break. It is good to take a break. It is good to take a vacation. You need to rest a while. You need to set yourself a time aside and rest your body. And so he says, boys, we're going on vacation. We're getting away. We're going out to the desert where no one could find us. Yeah, right. We're going to go out and we're going to go take a break. That was the plans. We're going on vacation. But what happened? Verse 32. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Meaning they weren't telling anyone where they were going. They said, all right, let's go. We're going to get away from people. We're going to take a break. But, verse 33, and the people saw them and departed, and many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all the cities and outwent them. That means they outran them. So here's the disciples and Jesus on a ship sailing to the other shore. The other people found out where they were going, and they ran and beat them there. So the same crowd they left is now the same crowd that's waiting for them when they get to the other shore. So much of the vacation, they all came to found them. The phone never stopped ringing. They try to take a break and the phone just keeps going. It keeps going. They try to take a break. I'm going to take today off. Nope. The phone, they just came and they were waiting for them. And when the people saw them departing and many knew ran, uh, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities and out went them and came together. But notice Jesus' reaction to this. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people. And was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Now, when Jesus came out, his heart was broken. He's looking at these people who are hungry. These people who want to know who God is. These people that do not have a shepherd. And they're like sheep wandering away. We've done studies on sheep. Last year, our theme was the shepherd of the sheep. And we took time to explain sheep and how stupid animals they are. They're dumb animals. They're helpless animals. They need help. They need guidance. They need a shepherd. And Jesus is looking at them and seeing them in their condition and he is brokenhearted. 
And we see that Jesus' mission was always the same. That was to seek and to save that which was lost. His compassion was there. He did not want to see them perish. He wanted the best for them. He wanted them to be fed, to be taken care of, to be ministered, to be shepherded. That's the great purpose of the church, by the way, is to reach people for the Lord and then teach them how to follow after Jesus Christ. This is the great purpose and this is the great heartbeat of Jesus. When we're looking at Jesus here, we're seeing what moves Jesus to compassion. We know that Jesus is often attributed to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is called the weeping past, uh, uh, the weeping prophet. Is it because Jeremiah was just a big crybaby and every time someone hurt his feelings he cried? No, he was a man moved with compassion. He looked at people and he was broken hearted. He looked at people and he wanted the best for them. This is Jesus acting the same way that Jeremiah was. He's weeping for them. What is it that moves Jesus to compassion? What is the great heartbeat of Jesus? To see people saved. To see people reached with the gospel. And because this is the purpose of Jesus Christ, this is the same purpose that he has given to his church. That same thing of reaching people with the gospel, then teaching them how to do the same thing so more people could be reached. This is the great purpose of the church. This is the great heartbeat of our Lord Jesus Christ, is to reach people with the gospel. Which brings me to a second thing, and a very interesting thing here, the organization of the church. Not only do we see the purpose of the church, but we see the organization of the church. This is something good. Notice what happens. It starts off with a practicality. Verse 35. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desert place. And now the time has passed. Hey Jesus, we came to this place for a vacation because there's no one here. But now we have a problem. There's no one here. There's no Culver's. All the restaurants are closed. There's no Walmart. We're stuck. And the people have got to eat. They've been here listening for quite a while. We have to do something with them. Send them back home that maybe they could go to some of the local villages and buy bread so they could survive. Send them away, verse 36, that they may go into the country round about into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. And he, that's Jesus, answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said, shall we go buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? They said, all right, we got a little bit of money, but that's not enough to feed this crowd. This is a huge crowd. Uh, we don't have, I mean, we could try. And notice what Jesus said, verse 38. And he saith unto them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. And so the disciples went out. Hey, does anybody have anything to eat? No. You imagine out of all this crowd, nobody brought a lunch. And after they were done, while well, they found in this huge crowd was five loaves and two fishes. Well, that's not enough to feed this huge crowd, but little is much when God is in it. But here's where I want you to pay attention. Remember, we're talking about the organization of the church. Notice what Jesus does in verse 39. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and fifties. 
What they did is they organized the people so that way it would be easier to reach. So some were in 50s, some were in 100s, but they grouped them up in ways that they could handle. They broke down the big group into ways into smaller groups that is easier to handle. But notice they're not done yet with his organization. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes and looked up to heaven and blessed them and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. So here's this organization. He made it so they could sit down in companies and they would sit down in ranks. He organized the efforts. Then what Jesus did is that he gave the instructions to the disciples. Then the disciples would teach the people, would give it to the people. Jesus gave the meat to the disciples. Then the disciples met him out. Now, we know at the end, we know how many people's here. There are 5,000 men. Now, we're assuming that these men had also brought their wives. We're doing round numbers, so 5,000 add five, uh, wives, that's, that's 10,000. And maybe they brought some kids, so if each one had an average of one kid, there are 15,000 people here. That's a crowd. Probably a little bit more than we have in here right now. 15,000. Now, some pastors pastor with the idea that I am the feed-all. My job is to give the meat to the people directly. And so I want you to think in your mind the logistics of this. That if Jesus said, I want everyone to come to me. Now, let's pause for a second. I want to remind you that Jesus willfully... Uh, limited himself to his physical body. We know that he's God and he could be everywhere at once. But for, for this time while he's on earth, he is limiting himself to the physical body. And he says, physically, Jesus in a physical body can only handle a certain amount at a time. So if you lined up all the people and had them wait in line for Jesus to give them something to eat. And praise the Lord, there's a great miracle. He had enough for them all. But if he had them wait in line and he served one person every 10 seconds. So 10 seconds, bless you. 10 seconds, 10 seconds. If that's as quick as he went, 10 seconds per person, it would take 41 hours to feed them all. Now, I don't know how you are in waiting in line. If there's more than three people at McDonald's line, I'm usually out of line. I don't know about that. I'm not willing to necessarily wait 41 hours to get lunch. That's quite a while. You understand that was not practical. All of those people could not be ministered to and reached if it was dependent upon one person. And so what we have to do is that we recognize that Jesus organized the people so that way they could all be reached. This is the same organization that we have to have within a church. Every organizational structure is limited in effectiveness to a certain degree. One person can minister to several people effectively, but depending on the person, he cannot minister to tons of people effectively. There is a limit for each person. However, if the church is organized in a way 
So that way more people could be reached and it's not dependent upon one man. Then more people can be reached and more people could be helped. We know for us, if you could allow me the practical side of this, that the practical organization of a church is the Sunday school. It's already divided up into classes. We have divisions, we have the adults, and we have children, and we have preschool. And then each of those could be divided into classes. But let's say that we have adult classes. We can have a teacher or a pastor have an assistant and teach the assistant. And then what happens that as the class grows, let's say that once it reaches 14, you split the class. Can someone effectively keep up with seven people? Yes. Meaning checking up on them, make sure that birthdays are not missed, make sure if someone ends up in the hospital, if they have a prayer request, they can organize those efforts and then they could report anything that's necessary to the pastor. Because with a church of 100, 200 people, the pastor doesn't know everything that's going on. He cannot be effective in ministering to everyone. But if someone is in charge of 7 to 14 people, he could do that. Then you take the teacher and give him an assistant. His job is to teach the assistant. And then eventually, when you reach 14 people, you split the class again. And one person can handle a small group. Now you're organizing your efforts so someone could be reached. And within that structure group, you have people, prospects that you're trying to work on. Can someone effectively try to continually be getting three people and try, can you come to church? Can you come to church? Hey, I'm checking up on you. Is there any prayer requests? And pray for them so they can come to church. Can they be making sure that if someone's not showed up in class, that they could follow up during the week and say, hey, are you sick? Is everything all right? We missed you on Sunday and effectively follow up. You know, the bigger a church is, one person cannot follow up with everyone. If someone's missing, it's hard to go catch everyone. But if we organize our efforts so everyone is reached, we have a better structure to reach the world. To make sure that everyone is taken care of, that no one falls through the cracks. You know, this is how it was done before the bus ministry. I appreciate the bus ministry, but one of the things the bus ministry did is it overloaded the Sunday school classes so that way you're just babysitting and keeping up rather than effectively teaching. Before that was done, what would happen is exactly what I explained, that a teacher would take an assistant and teach the assistant. And as they are working on that, they work on the class together, then the class splits then the, both teachers now take a new assistant and they're constantly training and that someone could take a few people and learn how to teach and work with them. When this was done, one of the greatest uh, preachers to do this was J. Frank Norris and his Sunday school superintendent was Louis Insminger. And J. Frank Norris pastored the two largest churches in the world at the same time one of them in Fort Worth and one of them in Michigan. At the same time, he pastored them. How in the world do you pastor two churches across the country? Because they split it up into organizational groups of the Sunday school to make sure that everyone was reached and everyone was taken care of and everything was organized. Every church has an organization structure. And within that organizational structure, there's only a certain amount that they can effectively reach and teach and minister and take care of. 
But if a church is organized to function, we can take care of more people and reach more people and follow up with more people. Because one person can follow up on a few effectively. And someone can do a little bit. And if everyone does their part, everyone can be reached. So what Jesus did is he took the bread and gave them to his disciples. And his disciples went to the people and ministered to them and organized their efforts to make sure that everyone had enough. That everyone was fed. Again, we're just seeing what Jesus did. Jesus organized the people into ranks. He sat them down. Do you know that we have an organized God? He didn't have them all in gaggles. He was organized in how he reached the people. Which, so here is some of the things I want you to understand with the organization. Jesus organized the effort so everyone was taken care of. Jesus enlisted, trained, and equipped his disciples. You come here. This is how you do it. And now here's the tools you need Go get the job done. So Jesus enlisted, trained, equipped his disciples. And the people did not come to Jesus for bread. Jesus gave it to the disciples. And the disciples brought the bread to the people. He organized his efforts to make sure that everyone was reached. Which brings me to the third thing I want to hit today. And that is the miracle of the church. The miracle of the church. Now this is a great miracle To have 15,000 people filled. Notice if you don't mind what happened. Verse 41. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did eat and were filled. And they took 12 baskets full of fragments and of fishes. There's 12 baskets of things that remained from two loaves and uh, five loaves and two fishes, little as much when God is in it. They took what they had and God used it. You know what this is called? The miracle of multiplication. Do you know with one grain of wheat, we can feed the entire world? Because of the miracle of multiplication. I take that grain of wheat and that's not going to feed a lot of people. But you take that grain of wheat and you plant it in the ground. And what's going to happen after a time, it's not instant, a stalk will grow up that has more grain. I could take the grain on that stalk that is now multiplied. It is more than one. It is multiplied. And what we do is we multiply those seeds in the ground. And those stalks will all form with seeds on the ground. What we have here is the miracle of multiplication. That it will continue to multiply and multiply and multiply. How does it multiply? It starts with one. Now, let me tell you, that seed, in order for it to to multiply, it must die. It must die. If we're going to multiply, we must die. Die to ourselves, And then we can be multiplied. If you notice in the book of Acts, when the church went on, it started with addition. You could reach people with addition, one plus one plus one. 
But God designed it not to go with addition, but multiplication. As you start in the book of Acts, it starts with they added to the church. They added to the church. They added to the church. But when you turn to Acts chapter 6, the word of God was multiplied. And you could see that word multiplied throughout the rest of the book of Acts. That it is the miracle of multiplication. Why is it multiplication? Because it's not just one person reaching it. When you organize your efforts, everyone doing their part can reach more people than one person toiling and doing everything he can by himself. Jesus knew as he was in a physical body, he was limited and could not reach all those people effectively one-on-one. He had to organize his efforts to multiply it so everyone who wanted something could have it. And everyone was filled. God will never run out. No wonder the Bible says that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. You have enough laborers, the job can get done. And God desires it to be done. And how is it going to be done? It's not by one pastor doing everything he possibly can by himself. But the church must be organized to function that we can reach everyone and take care of everyone so that we can multiply and move forward. What we see here in this miracle here is Jesus naturally organizing the people. And we could take this miracle and Jesus' organization and we could apply it to the church which still has his heartbeat of reaching people for the Lord. So what is our part? We need to be involved. This is why I honestly believe for the structure that we have here, the greatest time that we have in church is Sunday school. Sunday school should be the place where we're getting people. It should be the place where we're organizing to grow. And that teacher should be taking another assistant and teaching them how to do it. And that the classes should be multiplying as we're praying and trying to reach as many people as possible. It is the way to organize the church to reach our community and grow. It's the way to organize to function. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.